Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today? Hi, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It's going great. We hope it's going great with everybody else as well. If this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out all the content that we put out there into the internet. Uh, the best way to do that is to follow me on Twitter at, at Focused Compound. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at, what's your handle? Uh, I do not have a Twitter. He does not have a Twitter. So follow just me at Focus Compound. If you're watching or listening to us on YouTube, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we put out a lot of content, uh, which is just really the video version of our podcast uh, for screen recordings and stuff like that. So to be able to be on the lookout for future videos, just hit that subscribe button. Um, if you are going to be at Berkshire this year, it'll be our first time being there for the uh, annual meeting. We've been to Omaha before on a research trip, but we will be at Berkshire Hathaway this year. Um, and Saturday, April 30th, we will be part of the reception and investment panel for the Willow Oak Asset Management um, Meetup. You can get all information on that at willowoakfunds.com. To sign up, it's free. Come and say it hi. Jeff and myself will be there. We'll be part of the panel and the discussion. Um, so looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're interested in learning about our investment services and you'd like to meet up in person at Berkshire, Jeff and I will be there Thursday through Sunday. So reach out to me at my email, andrew at focuscompounding.com. Let's get something on the books. Let's chat. Uh, we're going to be there in person and it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, meet with a lot of people, hopefully. And uh Put a face to the, all these uh, Twitter names and all these people that I've been emailing with for years. So looking forward to it. Um, sign up for it. Come say hi. It's going to be a good time. So in today's podcast, we are going to do our freeform podcast, talk a little bit about what's going on in the markets. Okay. You know, last week you had said, well, there's been a lot of volatility, but we're kind of just right back to where we first started or where mm -hmm. we were a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And that's kind of been the case. Um, oil, I would say, is the only major thing that has changed since our last podcast. Oh, since our last podcast, but I think it's back to where it was before. But again, <laughs> it's back to where it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. As of the time we're recording this, what uh, it pr it's down a bunch today or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So I'd say it was probably at 90-something before the invasion of Ukraine, right? Do you have information on that? Uh, I could pull it up, but okay. I mean, it's 96 right now. Yeah, I, I think it's probably similar before uh -huh. and after right now. But at, at one point in the middle of the day, on one day, it probably hit 130 or something, you know. Yeah. Market's down 11.23% year to date. Mm -hmm. The 10-year is back above 2.142, or it's back above 2. That changed at a huge amount since we recorded last time, yeah. Uh -huh. So like, rally right. back. Yeah. And oil at $96.68 per barrel. And, you know, what you just said, right? Oil okay. being back to what it was a couple of weeks ago. Right. I want to continue on with this idea of focusing in an unfocused world if you're an okay. investor because it's right. a lot of people i guess enjoyed our conversation a little 15 minute bit we did on what we were talking during the q a about just focusing and stuff like that okay good so i've been thinking a lot lately about john templeton mm -hmm. how he living in the bahamas for a long period of time would receive the wall street journal like three or four days late mm-hmm and how he thought it was an advantage for the, being an investor, quite frankly, being out on, out of the mix. Like you think about like Buffett being in Omaha, mm -hmm. you think about Munger being in California, kind of outside of 
all of the noise and how they really structure their lives. I just think focus is a very interesting topic, especially because how crazy everything is with, you know, news and stimulus. I'm mm -hmm. not talking like money stimulus. I'm talking about like stuff that is stimulating mm -hmm. um, to our brains and how I really think focus is the new IQ and how it's something that everybody could work to improve on. And um, the question that prompted this conversation last week was somebody asked about you reading in one sitting for three hours okay. in a row. And you had said that you could definitely do that, but you can't write for three hours in a row. But right. I guess mm -hmm. that's a lot more active. Yeah. You uh -huh. burn out writing very fast unless you slow yourself down a lot. Yeah. Do you think it's easier for you to read for long periods of time, like 10 Ks and stuff like that, because you have such a wealth of knowledge that you've accumulated over the years where the certain things you're taking away is a lot more than somebody that hasn't. No. Or it's just, just like, you don't have to like, it's like you read a line, this stock me, this business does this and you understand entirely what it does and like certain things you could take away from it as opposed to somebody that may not have as much experience as you. So it's like you, it's easier for you to sort of actively or passively read it, I should say. It might be possible. Um, I, I think it's just a personality thing. It doesn't bother me to read something totally new that I have no familiarity with. It doesn't bother me if I feel like I'm lost or something. At some point, I'll keep reading and I'll feel less lost. So what do you do like when you are lost? Or let's say you're learning something new that mm -hmm. you've never come across before. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. you just keep reading. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, do you go on, do you stop and then go on like no. Google and try to no, no, no. read Wikipedia on no. what it is, get a visual mm -hmm. representation no, of it? I've talked before, though, that I do look at the basically the, the bibliography, the works cited of any book that I read to find sources for other books that I can then read on it. So a good example of this is like um, you'll realize that like a more general interest book like, um, I don't know, like... Um, what is it outliers or, or blink or something like that is going to be relying on a few studies and things. And you can find the uh, books written by those people that are more academic. And then you can read those things next because they're all going to cite the same sort of things. And then you can work from there to, you know, deeper into things that they happen to cite too. So I do that. Um, the, the only thing I do when reading a, a print book that I can think of about looking something up, is going into Amazon and looking up a book that's mentioned or a person. So a person looking to see if they've written a book. So if it mentions something about any sort of source or whatever, then I can do that. Yeah. So typically when, it, or I guess you always do that then when you read a book. So do you go mm -hmm. and read more information on it? Then? Yeah. Yeah. Like so this causes a problem because you'll notice if you do this and you buy the books that you find inside a book, each book cites more books than one so you end up with exponential growth of the number of books that you're buying and you're buying books faster than you can read them uh, not faster than you can read them but because you never stop then the next book that you get will breed three more books you know or whatever you know exponential growth yeah sure exactly so that keeps happening um but you're within a certain category you end up reading a lot of them yeah yeah and i like to read books in general um instead of like newspaper accounts and things like that yeah why is that uh, you can focus on the same topic, and I feel that the information is more uh, long-lived, uh, more useful. Um, someone thought seriously about this topic and tried to figure it out and put it in context, where I feel like um, news things not as good that way. I also think the news things have deteriorated. 
over time um, from what they used to be uh, because many much of the print stuff is basically the same versions whether it's print or online so even though you might be reading a print New York Times or Wall Street Journal or whatever what you're really getting is an article that was updated four or five times in little bits during the previous day and meant to be able to attract people on the website too there's not as much long form things that you would get before in like magazines and stuff like that. And those were usually the best ones um, to read about stuff that was really interesting. The big news items get these short articles about them that are very timely. And so that stuff isn't as helpful. Um, yeah. Do you think the quality of reporting has also changed? Has it changed from being black and white or more black and white to not being black and white? A little bit. So I think that they have more of what they call like instant analysis, news analysis, things like that than they used to. Yeah, that is true. So I'm just curious. I mean, what is focus to you? Um, you know, I mean, success leaves clues, right? And I love the story of when Buffett and Gates, one of the first times that they met, I guess Gates Sr. had everybody write down on a piece of paper the right. one thing that they think was a huge reason for their success and without even chatting with each other, both Gates and Buffett wrote down focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's mostly about how you're thinking about it so that you're actively thinking yourself about it, relating it to other things. That's why I find that helpful with books. That's why I write down a lot of things. I mark up books and, and things, usually 10Ks and things myself, um, that sort of way. And as we talked about before, my notes are not like notes you would take in a classroom that you're going to be quizzed on this stuff. It's more, I don't believe this part, you know, um, this is kind of like something else that I'm relating to, whatever. Um, it, it's not a summary of the things that I'm reading, but it's connecting it to other things. Yeah. And that's how knowledge works, right? Like Munger, he call it what you want to call it. He calls it like a lattice work of ideas yeah. that remind you of other things. Um, mm -hmm. so but, but I mean, some, I, a lot of the books I don't like, you know, I read them anyway, but I don't like them. Uh, a lot of times I disagree with the author of a book. Um, sometimes I don't believe things that I read are accurate. You know, this is probably colored this way or whatever, and I might write those things down. Um, you know, and a lot of times I think their analysis might be fine and good, but look, we could also analyze it this other way, and this might be a better way of thinking about it. So, but there's still a lot of information that you get that's useful, and you take that information. So they may give you a lot of information and then my notes might be more about, well, I, I don't necessarily agree that they're right about the cause or the analysis they're doing of it or something, you know, mm -hmm. right? So they might be analyzing a news story. Like say you're doing a, you're reading a newspaper. So I, I don't, I don't do that. But if you're reading a newspaper and you mark it up, um, they're going to be accurate about what they say. This is what happened in Ukraine yesterday. Right. But then they're going to give you context on it and what this means and that this is being done because of whatever. And these people are worried about this for, you know, the future or whatever, or this is a trend we're seeing or whatever. That stuff all might be true or not. But, you know, the facts that they give you, you know, those parts will be true. But it'll be so mixed in together that unless you take notes on it and stuff, you might come away not with the facts of the article that you read, which is probably true but more with the overall tone of what this means, the importance of it and whatever. So, you know, an article could be, uh, 
whatever intensifies overnight or something, but then you read the facts and that might not be the case. Um, and a lot of times you'll find if you don't take a lot of notes and things, I think what you'll find is that you don't retain a lot of the facts that are in what they said. You retain a lot of the argument and the, um, sort of through line that they gave you about it, you know? So how do you guard against that? Just taking notes of the data from the articles that you read? Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, someone asked me about, uh, so you know the movie Social Network? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Social Network, is it true or not? Um, Somebody asked you that? Yeah. And, and um, you know, because you know the screenwriter of that, and he's talked about it before and everything. And basically the truth of that is a lot like um, a bunch of other movies, which is that there are a lot of true events, facts, events, whatever, that's in the movie. So it's very true that way. But the through line that they use for the movie, that is what most audiences would remember, is completely made up. Whether it's true or not, maybe who knows? It's not even a question of what they could know. Um, but what they, what you take away from that movie if you watch it is the made up part. And so does it really matter if they accurately said at 2.50 p.m. these two people met and had a conversation? I mean, they make, they, you can be completely 100% factual on that and also have people come away with something which is completely made up. Yeah, we talk about that often. Sometimes you read stories like autobiography or yeah. like biographies, I should mm -hmm. say, not even auto, where they have this conversation that happened 20 years ago. Right. And you're like, was that how the conversation actually went? Was no. that the takeaway? Was that a made up version of the takeaway that they remember? It's what their maybe one source uh -huh. for that conversation felt the meaning of the conversation was to them, right? Yeah. That's all that they can be. And sometimes they're very honest about that and revealing that about the sources. And you can read the notes at the end, which basically tell you what the sources are. And if they don't tell you, you can assume that the source is one of the two people there. And a lot of times you notice that in the rest of the book, the other person is never cited. So you know who the source is, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. I felt like that through the snowball. Mm -hmm. Just different conversations and stuff like that. And of course, I mean, I hate to, continue to use Buffett in every example, but I mean, he told Alice Schroeder, anytime you come across with a story that's less flattering than the one that I remember, use a less flattering one. And that was probably for a reason that he said that. Mm hmm Yeah. Uh, so you have that in books all the time. And that's where I think that it helps to take notes on it and to, to judge, um, to put it into context for yourself that way. Uh, that's also true with 10Ks and stuff. A lot of times I feel if I ask someone about an earnings thing or whatever, the gist of what they're giving me is basically, you know, just kind of management sounded really happy about this quarter, you know, mm -hmm. sounded really positive or beat expectations or whatever. But what you really want to get at is like, you know, the, the numbers inside of it and how they did versus what you might expect and uh, what that might mean about the business, you know. How do you take notes? Print it out. And I write directly on I mean, it. So do you like, so like a 10 K for example, after you mm -hmm. go through it, do you keep that 10 K? No. Where do, so no, it's just, you write it down. It's just programmed into your brain. Yeah. After I mark up the 10 K and so eventually I just will throw it out. I've only retained a 10 K at all for, um, and I don't like to do it, but I've kind of had to do it for writing articles. Sometimes, uh, I try to avoid it even then, but where I sometimes write articles where 
basically for articles, people like to use the exact number. I don't think it's very meaningful, but they do. So you'll notice whether it's seeking alpha or whatever, it's 17.14%. It's not 17%. Yeah. There's no reason for this for any of your understanding of the business, why it would have to be that way. But because of that, um, I would keep the thing just so I could look to a particular part to make sure I have the exact um, number right. Or the, uh, you know, or like if you were going to cite the exact name of who the CFO is instead of just saying the CFO or something like that. Um, but that's the only time I've kept it. And then once you write an article, you throw it out. Yeah, you don't even really do that nowadays. You just kind of say, nope. if I if it's like 13 point whatever, right, or percent, mm-hmm. you'd be like, it's like 13%. It's around 13%. <laughs> yep. And if you notice, I usually round off numbers and stuff in a way just to make it um, a little bit more conservative or whatever. So I, that allows me to make a bunch of adjustments to something so it's easy to do in your head. Um, and if you just do it so that each one is against what would be favorable to buying the stock, then you don't have a problem. So if you know that it's the P is between 13 and 14, you can see that in your head and you just say, let's say the P is 14, you know, um, and you do that for each of the steps of what you're looking at. It doesn't really matter. You know, you're not gonna have a problem that way. How do you keep up with companies you've researched in the past? I just look at them each quarter. So do you have like a list of stocks that you just read their quarterly information or no? One question that came up a lot was on eliminating distractions Mm -hmm. and what you do to eliminate distractions. I mean, you're very deliberate in everything you do. So you're actively eliminating things to focus on one thing. Yeah. The big thing is just like eliminating the ones that are, close calls in the sense that it seems like this would be really useful, but then you learn over time, actually you're not getting anything useful from this because that's the kind of thing that you might actually consume a lot of. So let's say a newspaper thing or whatever, there might be some newspaper things where you say, Oh, this is really useful for me. And then you read it and you realize, Oh no, it's not like you mentioned the, um, email thing, the daily shot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just graphs of and stuff, right? Are you a subscriber? Mm-hmm. Nice. So, you try that and say, okay, can that replace a lot of what I was getting from the newspaper reading this thing or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it depends, uh, for some things it it's worth it. And for some it isn't. Uh, so it is useful to have some information from, uh, these things, but it's kind of the more general it is, the less useful it can be. I found some publications are useful. And so it, it doesn't bother me that way if it doesn't cause a, a problem in terms of having to get through a lot of noise. So I'm more happy with those. Um, I've had a few things where I read, you know, because I said that about message boards. I think people thought I was saying, like, I don't get a lot of ideas from message boards. I meant it's fine. If I read things all year and got one idea, that's fine. Um, and same idea. So, like, there there's some things that I read that uh, I do get some ideas from. Uh, but it's hard. And then you just have to decide if you don't want to, if you, if it's really worth it or not. So I've read some things that are trade magazine things and stuff. And eventually I've eliminated some of them because they're more, a lot of times it's more political stuff or whatever, more connecting it to more general stuff instead of being a specialized for the audience they're serving. So then I generally drop it. If that's the case, that's the most common one is too generalized. Do you think like industry publications could be good when you're first learning about an industry just to learn like the verbiage, the lingo, the big companies and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I like them. And I think that they're a good thing to read instead of more general stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the daily shot, for example, I mean, no affiliation to us, but do you, do you like the website because it is more data driven and it's kind of away from like the news around yes. certain things? Yeah. I mean, would I rather it all be just numbers instead of graphs for me? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I prefer tables of numbers to graphs, but not really a big fan of graphs. Um, but, uh, but right. instead we're, of having yin and yang, you know, I like, the, yeah. I like the picture books instead of having, <laughs> um, uh, stories about it. That's, that would be the main thing I would take away from a story anyway. So if I'm reading a story and it's about used car inventory to sales and stuff, that's the kind of the important thing that's in the article anyway, that I'm getting out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, although sometimes there can be other things I do. Like when I take notes, for instance, I do, um, have certain notes that I take, like for instance, a way of squaring certain things in it and putting it in a rectangle which is to uh because i want to keep that name so that's most common when finding something that could be a company name that could be publicly traded things like that so that's something i've found in articles sometimes it's very useful articles can be very useful for the companies that they mention just in passing uh, that they give as examples because you may not know that those are companies that are publicly traded or whatever you learn about them and same thing sometimes they can give information to the people that they cite turns out those people have written books and things like that so you know people that they quote for things so that's all useful stock prices which is you know sort of why i wanted to talk about this because you know we've talked a lot about okay when the market's off 12 percent or the market's off 11 percent mm -hmm. or oil is at 120 bucks and now oil is back to 96 i mean you know the benefit of just like i would say insulating and trying to stay away from stock prices over like a couple week period or if you check your prices once a week i mean we obviously check them often because i do because we have capital uh, investors and stuff like that about once a week because we have i go by hand to update how many shares we own of things and what the price is and it helps i think that helps instead of doing an excel or something to remember it that's what i always tell people anyway enter these manually into Excel. There's always things someone's excited. Oh, do you know, I can pull the data from this and put it in Excel. Okay. Then you're not doing it yourself and you're not learning about it that way. Uh -huh. You know, it's much easier. So you're talking about like the past financials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The past financials, you should put them in Excel yourself and stuff like that. Yeah. So you check stock prices once a week. Basically. Yeah. Basically when I give you an update on what we bought the prior week or. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes if I tell you something about, let's sell this or let's start to buy this or something. Then I would have checked the price more. So really the volume or volume. Yeah. yeah volume and, and, and price in terms of if it's gone to a price that now we could now maybe we could sell stuff, but it's not even an exact price thing. It's just, okay, this is a point where we could sell this down because it's going to be a certain percentage of a portfolio or whatever, or the other way around where, okay, maybe there's enough volume. We could buy this for a while. Um, it's not really about this price versus 10% higher. It's more like, well, we could start buying this and we might be able to buy a lot of it over time. So it is more about volume and things like that. Um, usually. Yeah. I would say that that's true. Um, okay. So once a week. Yeah. I don't know day to day stock price. I certainly don't know. I never know what it did in the middle of the day or anything like that. Yeah. So that's a huge thing. Um, uh, random. How much sleep do you get a night? A lot. Okay. So like Super more than eight hours? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you judge by like, um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say so. That's good. That's healthy. That's very healthy. Um, certainly I'm 
in bed or something for more than eight hours. Yeah, I would uh-huh. say that's definitely true. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we have eliminating distractions, stock prices, reading the information. And you really, I mean, you read the information just because, again, like to your point about being actively engaged in what you're reading or what you're going over. You're making connections. You're hanging certain things. It reminds you of this other thing. Right. You're putting a rectangle. I mean, the reason you're doing that is because it just helps with focus. And that's what this whole podcast is about, is improving your focus on whatever it is you're doing. I mean, it's interesting. When you hear about like Buffett, Munger, Monish, they, they structure their days. So basically, you know, they have empty cal- calendars. They don't take meetings. They really work in isolation by themselves Mm -hmm. to focus in on whatever it is that they want to focus on. I mean, for your own personal like workflow, I mean, is it running screens like once a month and then kind of working through those companies? Yeah. So that's a big thing. I always suggest to people, whatever your like search thing is, whether it's searching for new sources or it's searching for specific stocks or whatever, the the thing where you kind of throw out a net and catch all this stuff that you're then going to learn about or finding what books to buy or, you know, to to, um, read or whatever. Uh, Make that search thing separate from the Mm -hmm. then reading of it or the studying of it. Okay, so I think it's... I'm not against screens. I'm not against going through a Barron's to find stock ideas, Right. Uh, what I'm against is like in the middle of reading your 10k, you th- that's the same time that's, oh, I could browse Barron's. I could run this screen. I could check the stock price as opposed to being on the SEC website for this thing, you know? So that's one reason why I suggest books a lot more too, because if you, you're going to read that whole book, if that's what you're doing, you pick this book and you're really going to read it. Um, whereas a lot of times people be like that they kind of read this thing or whatever. It's great to have that thing where you search for all that stuff. And you need to do that for stock ideas. I have nothing against going through a discussion thread, right? But you could go through a discussion thread for a couple hours, Value Investors Club or the Corner Berkshire Fairfax or whatever. Um, do those things. Get down a list. Like you got a pad of paper there. You could get down a list of all the stocks that you want to look at later. For a lot of people, I think what happens is like they're reading a thread or something, right? They see a stock thing. They type it into QuickFS or whatever. Let me see that stock. I don't know, whatever. They move on. Next thing, they could forget that they even looked at that stock. And really all that they did is look for two minutes on a summary financials of that stock. And there could have been more interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you write it down uh, on a list then and save it for later as a thing that you're going to do, then I think that that's a lot more helpful. Mm-hmm. I even feel the way, that way about reading stuff. Um, when you decide that you want to read about the stock, print out the 10K and put it somewhere. I'd throw them out right away after I'm done with them, but I will print something out and put it aside uh, at the moment where I find it and want to read about it, whether or not I have the time for it now. And then eventually later you will read it, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the problem is if I, if I, it's very easy to not decide to do it at that moment. That's why I deal with the books where I'm reading a book and I see them mention another book, and I think, oh, I should look up this book. I do it right then. I stop what I'm doing. That's the only thing that'll really interrupt me reading the book. Because otherwise, if I read the whole book, I'm not going to go back and find those things that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like the 10Ks. If it happens, you don't want to like miss out on a good stock idea just because it happened that you were a little busy at the time you came across that idea. 
and didn't look in right in depth yeah right whereas if you print it out and put it aside you know um the other thing that's really good for that is if you search for things come up with ideas whatever ranking them is really helpful yeah that you can't see right now but i have a whiteboard that actually recently went up mm-hmm. in my office because we would do this uh where you you're gonna rank um stocks that uh, you come across and are interesting and behind the camera you'll see right there there's a bunch of uh, a stack of paper and i think this could be a little bit more relatable to people that have a full-time job for example mm-hmm. if you just set the basic because i mean look right like my full-time job is also you know doing the investor right. relations the podcasting running the business side of everything so i can relate to this just no matter what, the first thing I do in the morning is just go through a 10K before I even open up my email, before I even open up any news things, before I need to get my mind onto anything else, come hell or high water, it's just I'm going to go through a 10K that I had previously chosen. And once you get through it and all these other distractions come in, well, at least you still you know did what you wanted to do. Um, so like Munger always talked about like selling yourself an hour a day. Jeff has written about it. Just read one 10 K a day. You could find time to do it. Just have it already. Um, the companies that you do want to go over again, you could use a whiteboard, you could use a piece of paper, it's whatever you want and just have it printed out and just go through it. Uh, whether that's, you know, an hour and a half or two hours, but you just do it in the morning before everything else kind of, uh, demands your attention. And that's a good way to get through material. I mean, one a day is perfect. Two a day is perfect too. But you're doing it deeply where you're deeply thinking about it. And um, that's just a good way to continue to learn about other businesses. Yeah. And I think probably what you'll have to give up is more of the like passive, general, um, business news, investing news, that sort of thing. Really, for most people, it's not that you're going to have to give up time family, work, whatever, it's that you're going to have to take the time that now is more passive, like you're generally aware of stuff and make it zeroing in on specific stuff that you pick out because it doesn't really take that much time. But what it means is you have to decide to spend all your time looking at, you know, something weird, looking at Maui land and pineapple and thinking only about that instead of thinking about oil prices and treasury yields and all that kind of stuff. And you have to keep doing that over and over again with whatever things you pick out which is less of the uh, stuff that you could just have a general conversation with people about. And that's all that you have to do. Now, if you have lots of time, you can do both, right? Mm -hmm. But if you only have an hour a day or whatever to give to to, um, investing stuff, then probably it's going to be zeroing in on specific things that you pick out as opposed to general awareness of more, whether it's macro things or whatever, sort of things that you didn't pick out for yourself. It's going to have to be more self-directed. Uh, study of things instead of like checking out the same websites and newspapers and things to have an awareness of things generally. Yeah. I think when you start to do this more, you kind of gravitate away from like more of the headlines and the newsworthy stuff because you're like, wow, I haven't actually gone on Twitter today or checked the wall street journal website and it's like, everything's okay. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm well, Like you kind of stop using it. I mean, like <laughs> me, I've really drastically pulled back Twitter uh-huh. other than like uploading our podcast stuff just because it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't have it on my phone anymore and I just try not to go on it because it's, I don't think it's a great use of my time, quite frankly. Right. And well, Twitter's kind of changed. I mean, maybe okay. it's the people I'm following, but, um, there's just, it used to be more active ideas, I would okay. say. And now it's much more like, I would say people just, they seem very, uh, 
angry or whatever. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just not the same. And and to be fair, I don't really post ideas either. But um, I just I think it's much more of a a distraction, at least for me nowadays. So I really just put out our content. I try to just to get off it, quite frankly, because you could go down. Uh, these algorithms are smart. You know, I don't even have it on my phone and I don't even like to check my phone during the day. I'm really trying to do these blocks where I check my email a couple times a day and the rest of it, I'm just deeply engaged in whatever it is that I'm focusing on. Yeah. Uh, and the more you do that, the more you, like I said, I think people will gravitate away from all these things that are mm -hmm. um, like Pavlov's dog. I think it's good to have a mix, to find some way to have a mix where you're able to connect with other people. Um, and able to spend time completely alone. I don't think that either one or the other is the best way to do it. Talking ideas or whatever, with whether it's a small group of people or whatever, you have to have some way to have that communication that brings you ideas and changes some of your thinking about things, and then to think very deeply on those things. Um, so it's not like I'm suggesting just working on your own without ever talking to anyone about things. But you have to kind of find a way that's more useful for how you um, work out the communicating with others sort of thing. You know, it's sort of the problem that we have with, you know, a, I mean, you can read that book, Deep Work, and all, and there's lots of other books like that now. Cal Newport. Um, he's also been on Lex Freeman's podcast and other podcasts. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have social media. Yeah. So it's kind of this complicated thing because it has great benefits. Um, being able to talk to people all around the world and, and in all sorts of different ways and things. But the way that people use it can be a problem. But I think it's important to figure out a way to use things, even if those things are uh, private conversations they have with people that aren't social media things. They're actually things that basically you could do 20 some years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Um, so, I mean, it may be as simple as... Uh, email with a few people who are uh, that you know well and talk stocks about and stuff may be better for you than a Twitter thing. Mm -hmm. If it's just as much as that people have to put their thoughts together in that and take it seriously enough or whatever, or groups of people get together and talk about things and, and stuff like that, where it's not as immediate and casual, which is the big problem with a lot of social media things. When someone has an idea in their head, they then spew it out there instead of thinking about it for a little while and whatever. Um, but it is very helpful to get people, different people's ideas about things and the way they see it and the way they think about it. So diversity of opinion that way is really helpful. And some way of communicating with lots of other people is really helpful. Um, I never used comments, right? So like when I wrote articles, I never read a comment that someone sent. I always included things about email me, right? Yeah. And that was much better uh, for, for getting conversations going with people and much more helpful. And for a lot of people, you know, comments can be great. And I think that's true, but you're going to have like 20 comments that aren't that great for, um, they're just blandly positive or blandly negative or whatever for the one or two things that actually, this is a really interesting thing and being able to talk about it. Um, but you know, I do read comments things on other people's blogs because sometimes they're very good comments in it. I mean, mm -hmm. if you read, um, what is it like? Probably Clark Street Valley or something. Probably there's have, always they have a lot of comments there. there. Yeah. Cause of the readership there. So it and don't get me wrong, I mean, Twitter's great. It's the best way for us to distribute everything, grow the brand. I mean, we've built a business. It's been a great marketing tool for us that's effectively free, right? Um, all I was just saying is if people are looking to improve on your focus, 
in this unfocused world. It's probably doing things to mitigate uh, where that unfocused part comes from. So that's all. I yeah, just try I, to be deliberate. Like, act, again, like if I'm going to go on Twitter, it's because I actively want to go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to check email, it's because I actively want to check my email. Yeah. And, instead of like loosely or passively doing it. I guess one way you think about it is just awareness of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mindfulness. Uh, literally, how much are you doing things that some people probably are doing that they're not aware of what they're doing? Yeah, certainly with phones, people are that way. Um, but I think that's true for a lot of things. Um, you just realize, oh, I'm checking my email, and I didn't think that uh, I was doing that. You uh, you a big meditation guy, Jeffrey? I am not. No, meditation is not a big thing for me. What are your thoughts on it? You have told me once it was one of the only things like scientifically proven to improve focus and concentration. Yeah, there's different mindfulness things, but yeah, I think that that... Um, if you mean something that isn't a drug that someone could take to improve focus, um, honestly, it probably doesn't have to be in any way meditative. It just being required to sit and do nothing for a certain amount of time, which is the actual amount of the meditation thing, will probably be as effective as the meditation. That's all I call it. I okay. mean, meditation is the art of doing nothing. Okay, so if you set an eight-minute timer and sit in a chair and have to be alone with your thoughts and call that meditation... Then yeah, I think that would be really useful for people learning to be bored. Yeah, yeah. Well, boredom's a luxury. Number one. <laughs> number two. I think about it. You're just cleaning out your personal inbox on your brain. You just sit there and just do nothing. People are like, I don't know how to do it. It's just like, stop stressing. Just do nothing. Sit there and do nothing. And honestly, I talked in this last podcast when we talked about focus before. Little things that you could do to improve, you know, recall retention just thinking deeply about things when you're driving in the car, don't listen to music. Don't listen to a podcast. I promise. Just let your mind go. And we're receiving so much information nowadays and nobody actually thinks deeply about it. So it's in one ear out the other or in one eye and just gone forever. Did did I tell you that that thing is a common uh, writer thing? What's that? That uh, common advice to writers is to stop listening to music in the car. Oh no. Because driving does enough keeps you busy enough that lets your mind wander and stuff that you, you basically you can think about things for writing and stuff enough. You could be doing other things, you know, mowing the lawn and whatever. It has the same effect, but um, yeah. And if you have the music on, then you won't actually be thinking about those things. But if you don't, you'll basically be brainstorming whatever thing you Mm -hmm. need to be working on. You know, we've spoken about that before. Jeff and I, when we're on our, you know, uh, research trips and visiting when you're in the car, for sometimes 10, 12 hours. You just talk about everything. But you had told me that something that's interesting to study is how writers work and how they yeah. get through writer's block and how they stay productive and just little different things that they do to um, write. Well, one thing create. that you said was like doing it first thing, right? So that's a very common one. Not everyone does it, but that's a very common one that um, you'll hear from writers is basically just starting on something that they have to have written a line or something before they can have their coffee um, is effective enough that it gets them able to start doing those things. Because if for whatever reason they're in a place that's tough and didn't want to tackle it, then you could put it off. It's very easy to put things off. Right. But that that's why I suggested like the, um, what is the technique for producing ideas mm-hmm. the thing that I mentioned? Because I think some of those things for thinking about stocks is really useful to people. Um, 
a lot of times I feel like people read the 10K and whatever, and I guess what I'm saying is like reading about a stock, learning about it, is then so you can think about it and make a decision about it. It's not like what you did for school. You know, it's not the same thing. And when I talk about the notes and stuff, I want to stress that because sometimes I feel like people did the the schoolwork of the 10K, like they're studying this thing and there's going to be a quiz on it. And that's not what you really want. You want to, um, that's why I say like, you know, take a walk and stuff. And things they like just that passed to, the test. Yeah. They're not doing it. You to need to take whatever. that information and uh, get something out of it, have an idea from it. And unfortunately, the really difficult part for people, of course, is that for like a feedback thing, um, if it, the feedback is tough because what people want is I did a good job on reading this 10K and whatever. So at the end, I should get the output of I have a useful stock idea. That's not how it works. What actually happens is like it's pretty random and you do 10 of these, 20 of these. You do just as good of a job on each one and something sparks on one of them and it doesn't for the other things. And that's why I compared it to something like that, that book technique for Bruce ideas being advertising because everyone thinks that advertising is like a completely creative process with no logic to what you're doing and whatever. And really there's a lot of gathering information, studying things, thinking about it all the time. And then from that you get the like, um, that big idea thing and you can't say exactly where that came from, but it's not just something that you know nothing about and somehow you can come up with a slogan for it. You know, I guess it's a little, the, the stock picking thing is a little bit more creative than people think. Like it involves some, it's only in the sense of like creative thought, but it involves you, the, the best things usually are ones where you kind of see things in a different way and then somehow a more correct way than other people are initially, you know, looking at it. Uh, it's not as, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as you look for net nets in Japan, right? Other people aren't looking for net nets. You do, you run that screen, you find them, you buy them. It's that simple. But in a lot of other markets, you have to be a little more creative because it's not a purely quantitative thing like that that you're seeing that's different from the crowd. So you have to have some sort of like insight into it or whatever. That's a little different from other people. And academic things are always like that's information, that you have some information other people don't have. But I think usually it's more of like you have an interpretation of the same sort of public information that other people do. So my advice would be, if you're going to build a habit of improving focus, take whatever you want away from what we do, but really commit to it. Like say, I'm going to do this every single day for a year. I think that's the best way to build a habit is like if you just do it as much as possible for a year. Yeah, I, I would also say make it really, really easy. So if you're thinking um, that I'm sure some people are like, oh, I'm going to do this two hours a day for every day, make it an hour. If it's I'm going to do this an hour for the rest of my life, make it 30 minutes. And just doing it all the time, but making it way easier. Because when people talk to me about it always, they, it's a little... um. I don't know. It's a little uh, aggressive target. Yeah. Right. Not sustainable long term. <laughs> it's like losing weight. Yeah. They're not like I like to lose uh, a pound a week for yeah. for just indefinitely. No, they it's start like off. I want to lose a hundred pounds by such and such date, which might be possible to do, but it's not like so much necessary. Usually, it doesn't really matter. Like if you're losing something for a long time, eventually it'll work out. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying here. You know, I'm just not gonna make that big a deal if you find a great stock idea this week or a month and a half from now. 
if you have the pattern that you're working on all the time that keeps kind of turning up good ideas every once in a while for the rest of your life, that's way more important. Agreed. 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 Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with the both of us on the Focus Compounding Podcast. If you are going to be at the Berkshire meeting this year, come and say hi. Uh, we are going to be part of the Willow Oak Asset Management Reception and Investment Panel Saturday, April 30th. Uh, that goes on from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, uh, Jeff is going to be uh, one of the managers involved in the panel, and I'm going to be the one asking him and uh, the other three managers some questions and uh, try to make it as interactive as possible and as best as possible for all the listeners there. You could go to willowoakfunds.com to register for free. Uh, it would be great to meet everybody in person. You can meet me, meet Jeff, bring us a Celsius. We'll crack it open and uh, break bread. It'll be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in learning more about our money management services and want an in-person meeting, we will be in Omaha Thursday, April 28th to Sunday, May 1st. Uh, so email me, andrew at focusedcompounding.com. I want to thank everybody so much for the support and we will see you in the next podcast.